Have you ever been told you're too deep? Well, not here, sis. Welcome to a new wave podcast. Join us as we dive deep into conversation around relationships, generational trauma, past hurt, fears, and doubts by exploring our emotional baggage through storytelling, interviews, and group discussions. Unpack those bags, sis. Feel those feelings. Collectively, we will heal, grow, and blossom into a new being. This isn't a substitute for therapy, but I promise it will be therapeutic. This is your host, Ebony B. Now, let's dive in. since I've been using Honey Bee hair products. If you're struggling with hair loss, dry and damaged hair, or you just want to keep your hair healthy, use Honey Bee hair products. Honey Bee hair products include shampoos and conditioners and hair treatment masks, all using natural ingredients like pure raw honey, lavender, and peppermint oil with added essential oils, promoting hair growth and aiding in overall hair wellness. Honey Bee hair products can be used on natural coils or relaxed styles. Get your bottle of Honey Bee hair products online at honeybeehairproducts.com or call 470-745-0882. That's 470-745-0882. Honey Bee hair products, where healthy hair begins. Hello. I am grateful. Great. Look, because it's going to be a great, great vibe and some great energy and some great discussions. Well, first of all, I want to say thank you for this opportunity. It is a privilege and an honor to just share this moment with you and be a guest on your show. We can allow a seed to be planted so the next guest can come and water it and everything could just flourish and grow um, from here, you know. I'm an assistant superintendent of a dual diagnostic prison. Um, I am over women who have a substance use disorder and a mental health disorder. So when they come to my facility, they get a, basically they get a second chance and they go through plenty of counseling, plenty of healing, plenty of treatment. Um, They learn about coping skills. They learn about, you know, substance use disorder. They learn about mental health and how to manage it. Um, And the goal um, at that facility is to teach them that, you know, You can be a successful returning citizen and you can be compliant with your mental health, your meds and your um, disorders. So um, it's a blessing to be there. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to a new wave podcast, a healing conversation. Thanks for tuning in again. This week, we will continue our newest series, Wounds to Wisdom. Today, we will hear some words of wisdom from our special guest, a certified and licensed cognitive behavior therapist um, and behavior health specialist out of Atlanta, Georgia. Hi, Chanel. Hey, Ab. <laughs> How you doing today? Today is a great day for me. Um, I'm just, I, I keep telling you, I'm just so grateful. So I'm well. Thank you for asking. Sometimes people forget to ask us people, us kind of people, how are you today? So that's important to me. Thank you. Yes, and even after COVID, really, now with everything, I feel like a lot of us will begin to just think about life and our world as like pre-COVID and post-COVID, right? So definitely um, during COVID and while we are getting through the, the end of it, uh, it's definitely very important to ask people how their day is and wanting a truthful answer. Like, no, for real, how are you? <laughs> how are you mm-hmm. doing, right? And getting a real answer. And sometimes we just really think 
and want it to be a real simple answer. And right. It can be a loaded, it can be a loaded response sometimes. And you're not ready. A lot of people don't be ready. Because you know what's so crazy? Like, even um, getting older and stuff and going to work or just even, like growing up, you would hear people say, hi, how you doing? And I never even caught the end because they would say, hi, how you're doing? And keep walking, especially like in a work setting, like in the morning when you're coming in, they're like, hi, how you doing? And they walk by like, even if I did have something to tell you, you gone. You gone. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, oh. That's a, that's a question and response, right? Or, or even, or no, or it'll go real quick to where they be like finding you. But again, it's in passing. So it's like, okay, I didn't even get a chance to even say anything back, right? But like you said, so let me tell you, because I'm a very transparent woman and I think I throw people off sometimes because when people ask me, how am I doing? I'm very honest. Like sometimes I, I'm hungry and they're like, hey, how are you today? Hungry. Thank you for asking me. I'm really hungry right now, you know? And they'll probably chuckle like, hey, I haven't eaten either. Yeah. You need to eat, you know? <laughs> like, I'm hungry. You, we hungry. We hungry. You know, so it's getting out of those, and I call it Band-Aids or those autopilot responses. Mm-hmm. I'm okay, you're, I'm good in you. And deep down, they're not good, you know? Or they're not okay. So it's important. It's very important. I actually posted something today, and that is, and that was the exact message um, that it's okay not to be okay. not to be okay. It's okay not to be happy all the time, and you won't be right. It's okay not to be okay. <laughs> you know, like um, if you are sad, and I think that is mm-hmm. really like what the world or society has done. Um, just as far as like with the emotions or feelings that you do express, you really try real hard not to express the unpleasant ones, right? Mm-hmm. Like the quote unquote bad ones, right? You mm-hmm. all have to like save face, that mask that we always wear. I'm tore up in the inside. I'm sad. I'm depressed. I'm having an anxiety attack, but I got to keep face so that you don't know that that's how I feel. That I'm facing something. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yes. And it's so funny. Like you said, hey, Ed. I said, hey, Chanel. Um, but for my guests and my listeners, I mean, my listeners, um, this here, you guys, is one of my um, classmates. My classmate. This is a classmate of mine <laughs> from undergrad. I mean, we actually have the same major. We were on, we on, we are on the same like career path as far as like psychology again and helping people out and understanding the mind and behavior and patterns. Um, and we had a lot of classes together too. So we had a lot of classes. We had a lot of classes and we bonded in those classes. We bonded so well. We had good, we had good vibes in, in our classes. Like Mm-hmm. You are one that was on the yard. It was every time we seen each other it was great. And hey, 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 did you do this? Did you do that, girl? I forgot to do that. <laughs> did you got this today? You know we got a test. No, we don't got a test. Yes, we got a test. <laughs> so you know, <laughs> we've always had that energy and stayed on top of our game. Even though we did enjoy college, we still put business first. So oh, yeah. I think that's important. You know, work hard, you play hard. It's a barrier. In life, at all. Balance in life. Mm-hmm. Um, so here at A New Wave, again, it's that same type of energy, right? Um, we have healing conversations where we offer a brave space. A lot of times we say a safe space, but to unpack some of this baggage, sometimes it is like that cautious papers around it. Because mm-hmm. to me, it is unsafe or to us to be unsafe. Mm-hmm. of the emotions and the feelings that it will bring back up, the memories, you know, rehearsing that nightmare over again. But mm-hmm. we got to unpack it. We can't keep on sweeping it underneath the rug, right? So this is what this space is for, to be brave, right? To find the courage, to find your voice, right? Um, And not to have the fear of being judged, of being critical. Absolutely. Or even to be laughed at, you know, like, because this isn't where this space is at. Because sometimes we do um, experience other people um, exploiting us in our pain or when mm-hmm. we're vulnerable, right? 
So this is a brand space for us to um, share our experience, our strength and our hope to share our stories and our untold memories. Um, and again, I say brave because it takes courage and strength, not only to heal, but to feel. Um, and once you heal, you're able to cheer until, um, until in hopes of helping to heal another soul, right? Um, because mm -hmm. that's the whole thing is that um, the story isn't ours anymore once we heal from it. But it definitely mm -hmm. healing in order to tell, right? Because then that's when it will definitely be unsafe. Impactful. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. um, so this is Mental Month Awareness Month in May. Um, the month of May is Mental Health Awareness Month. And this is when we're recording this episode. Um, and I feel like mental health and mental wellness is definitely a personal responsibility, right? Um, and it's not even a privilege. Because sometimes we do say luxury, but I even think about it luxury as in it's top notch. You get mm -hmm. good service, right? But um, not as far as it being a, a privilege. It should never be, I mean, not a privilege, but um, it should never be something that can be taken away from you. I feel like it mm -hmm. um, that it should have, it should be more accessible to more people because it's just like every other doctor we go to, right? Right. <laughs> Tooth doctor, you even go to the foot doctor, you'll go to every other doctor, but the whole engine that make the whole thing run and operate, we a lot of times forget that, right? To check in on that. Again, right? To check in yeah. again to keep it balanced, to keep it balanced. Um, uh, this series is Wounds to Wisdom. So a lot of my guests that has been coming on, um, we have been telling our stories of like that event, that turning event, that catalyst that helped, that made us say, hope, hold up, I need to do something. And I need to do something about me. What was the um, what was the event for you that caused you to um, focus more on your mental health and wellness? Or what so, is journey? What does that look like? So I would most definitely say that I let me state this. It took me through two and a half years, and I, I am not healing. Every day is something that you do. You choose to do every day. Mm -hmm. um, it's just like managing your diabetes. If you had been um, diagnosed with diabetes, you have to manage that every day. You have to eat a proper, properly nutrition diet. You have to take your medicine if you have to take medicine. Or if you don't want to be on those pills or taking shots, you have to do the work so you will not have to have certain prescriptions, right? So when I turned 30, I am 33, I don't know what's happened in the back of my brain and my back, my back lobe, but it was like a door unlocked. And all of my trauma that I had been holding in, masking, wearing a band-aid, I'm okay. My response to how you doing, all of that spilled over. So if you think about a wound, and you think, think about a wound that has been so infected and packed, like impacting. You think of this wound and you clean it up a little bit and then you put a Band-Aid over that scratch. And you're like, I'm okay. And then it get back infected and more trauma come on and you put another Band-Aid on top of that Band-Aid. I'm okay. And then, you, you know... <laughs> more stuff happened. And so now that wound is more effective because you haven't really dealt with it or cleaned it out. So you put another band, I'm okay. That's what was happening. Um, my trauma started from my childhood, all adulthood, I will say this. And I promise you, Ev, when I turned 30, that band was like, you're not okay. Like, it was like, somebody or something ripped the band-aid off and all of my trauma just started oozing out and spilling out. And I, the one that normally helps plant seeds, I was completely empty. I was completely numb. I had been, I was on my way to work. I didn't have to be to work until eight o'clock. I got up at five 30. I was a robot. I was like a zombie. I, I just was showing up. I kept doing the same thing. I was showing up, showing up, showing up, but I wasn't there. Mm -hmm. So I'm driving to work and I heard, like, just let the wheel go. Like, just 
forget it. And I'm like, okay. Hmm. At five in the morning, no cars are out there in Atlanta, Georgia. I mean, on a Monday. And I made contact with somebody that I thought I could trust, um, which, and I told them, I said, I just don't want to be here anymore. It's too much on my plate and I just need to remove it. Hmm. I need to remove myself. And that was my thought process. And thanks be to God, he stopped everything. I can't remember because it was such a zombie moment. I still can't recall if I actually went into work that day or if I went back home. But that that was an aha moment. And I stepped away from everything and everyone for four weeks. Mm-hmm. I had been on a go, 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 go. I was serving in the church. I was so busy at work. I was doing um, all types of stuff. I was, I was doing so much stuff that I didn't deal with my own stuff. And then I realized later on that I, I kept myself so busy so I did not have to deal with mm-hmm. Chanel's stuff. It was like my friends would say, oh, you're so busy. Oh, you're the busy friend. Or, oh, yeah, we know you're busy. Check your schedule. And for a minute, it's like, oh, I'm so productive. This is so good. I'm just. But I was staying busy to not deal with my own shit. Mm. Literally, it was the pile of boo-boo. I was sitting in it so long, I couldn't even smell that I was in that much manure. Mm. You know? So that's when I begin healing my wounds. I, I couldn't, I, I didn't have the opportunity to mask it anymore. The bandaid was ripped off and it was like, deal with it. And I had to deal with it because I didn't have anything else to offer anybody. I was so empty. I was so numb. Like I was not my, I was, I don't, I don't even know who that lady was. I couldn't even recognize her. Um, when I looked at her in a mirror, so I had started um, my healing journey when I moved to Colorado. Colorado Springs, Colorado was my place of eating. And I loved it. It was the most beautiful thing. And I was healing. I was in counseling there. And I was intentional about that, you know. Um, and then I was disobedient. I picked up and moved to Atlanta. And that's when asked Gabrielle. Mm-hmm. So there you have it. That's when I started dealing with my wounds and I started unpacking some things and some things that I didn't even know still affected the way I moved. I think I thought and I saw things. I didn't even know the barriers that I had up and the biases that I had and why I was a certain way. It it was so funny because I had started going to, to counseling and my therapist was like, well, when did you take on the role of, you know, this mother figure or this go-getter or you having to do stuff or you having to be there for everybody? And I couldn't answer. Then I, I asked around to my family. And my cousin Sonia was like, you know, you used to have this baby doll. And she told me, you know, that I was a mother. I've always mothered my mother's kids. And my mother was the best mother she knew how to be. Um, uh-huh. but we went through a lot of mental abuse. We went through hella physical abuse. I've been through sexual abuse. It was a lot. So my therapist had me recall a situation and it was this situation where my little sister, she was in the crawling phase. We were, it was, I don't know if you remember the cartoon network or one Saturday morning. Mm-hmm. Have you, did you ever? Yeah. Okay. So, yes. Yeah. So we were sitting on a couch watching one Saturday morning. And at the time, the guy that I thought was my father, I was a young, I was a little girl. He was going to work and he was building on like patio doors on our house. And my mother was in the kitchen cooking. So all the kids were sitting down and I guess my little sister was crawling. So my little sister was crawling and she touched the patio doors and it fell on her and broke her leg. Mm. At that time, my mother lied to the man because now that I understand, she was afraid to get her butt whooped because he he was going to beat her. Mm-hmm. So she said, I told Moody, that's my nickname, I told Moody to watch them. Moody's the third oldest. Mm. So she he packed up his kids 
and my sister and my sister and uh, my brother, we were still at the house just with him while she took them to the hospital. And um, he said, why did you do that? Why did you let them, the door fall on my baby's feet, baby's legs? And he, at that moment, he kicked me in my eye with steel toe boots. Mm. At that moment, that five-year-old little girl took on a role to never, one, one, be in that predicament again, to always step up and make sure I protect my family and, you know, do what I'm supposed to do at all times, um, no mistakes, you know. So at that time, that's when I started operating in that, that role. Mm. And I had never stepped out of that role until a year ago. Being a parent as the child. Being a parent as a child. Mm. Parenting yourself. Yeah. So I'm saying that to say, you know, I had to really, when you are going through that healing phase, you have to really dig deep. And you have to really ask. Yeah. You have to be, I had to write a letter to that little girl, that five-year-old girl. I wrote a letter to her and said, it's okay. It wasn't your fault. My therapist gave me homework because I was stuck in that role so much. She told me to look in the mirror. She said, do you know that you matter, Chanel? And I'm like, who cares about that? Like, I got to get this stuff done. And she's like, you matter. And the homework she gave me just as simple as look in the mirror and tell yourself that you matter. I ebb. I could not do it. It took me three sessions to come back and say, and I was still apprehensive, like, uh, I just did my homework and I matter. I didn't even believe it then. I believe that now. I know, I know that now. But you know what they say? That's the funny thing about affirmations is that they aren't believable at first, right? Like you are the um, love of my life, right? Um, and at first you're like, no. Are you really? Are you really, right? But the more <laughs> you say it, you convince yourself, right? Like, oh, I am. I am all of that, right? Like, I do matter. You know, I am worthy, right? At first, it don't make no sense to you at all. It feels strange. Born. Like, this is unbelievable. But then one day, like you said, it definitely becomes believable. Hmm. So you did your homework. You was like, three weeks. And <laughs> Dr. Howell, she's a black holistic therapist. I love her. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I checked into her, you know, I did my research. That's what I want. Wisdom, wounds to wisdom, do your research. You do not have, if you are seeking EAP, if you are seeking um, through your, your um, organization that you work for, whoever, however, do mm-hmm. your research and pick the best that fits you. It's nothing wrong with seeking counsel. The Bible states it. Mm-hmm. It's fine, but you have to do your research. Don't the first time I, I went, um, I they just said, Oh, we have this one, it's close to your house. And I went there and I started counseling them. <laughs> and I was I was able to wear a mask with, with her. I was able to wear a mask with her. Mm-hmm. But this one, she like, ain't nothing wrong with you. You do have some things you gotta work on, mm-hmm. but you're fine and you're gonna be fine. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have everything that your heart desire. I'm like, okay. She she took a holistic approach with me. That's what was important. When I was seeking my therapist, I wanted someone that was going to take a holistic approach that knew that I loved God, knew that I battled things, knew that I had these desires, knew that I had these wants, knew that I needed to handle these. And she was not sugarcoating anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. Because a lot of us... Um, a lot of people, we struggle with that, right? Like, even it's a daunting task, first of all. Like, I got to remove a lot of, like, uh, uh, um, preconceived notions of what it is, really, and the stigmas that's behind it, the shame, the guilt that you have sometimes behind needing to seek help, right? Because even just as simple as, I need help. It's hard for people to say. And especially a lot of black women to say. So to say, I need help 
and to put some action behind it and go see and seek out a therapist, that takes a whole lot of willpower. It takes a lot of courage, right? It definitely does. And I love, I like what you say. I love what you say when you said that. It took some time too. I ain't like the first person. You probably didn't like the first guy you met either, right? But it's a relationship, yeah. right? Everybody. It was a relationship. And you learn. You, you got to find the person that fits you. Like you said, I need her to know that this is who Chanel is. Like the whole, everything about Chanel, my mind, my body, and my soul, right? She so knew. That's a big thing. That is a big thing. You got and, you, and you know what's important? I made that personal. And people will be like, I'll, I'll tell people, I'm going on a date. I got a date. Okay, I like that. That's like, where you going? I'm like, I got a therapy session. I got a date with myself. I'm taking myself on a date. Yes. And I will go. I will have my time. And then I will treat myself afterwards. I will go work out. Like I, it was, I really put thought, effort, time, and energy in it because it was that important. My healing was that important because I know I have so much to offer so many people in, in this world. But at that point in my life, I was so empty. Mm -hmm. I didn't have mm -hmm. anything else. So I, it was personal for me. You know, mm -hmm. it was personal. Mm -hmm. And I made it personal and I was proud of it. And I removed everything. I didn't have anything but me. Yes. Yes. You said I was proud of me. And I love that because sometimes we seek that outside validation. Mm -hmm. Say, I'm proud of you. But no, say and take that power back and say, I'm proud of myself. Okay. Good job right now, right? Um, because again, it took a lot of courage to be able to get to that point, um, and to what and to have felt or had to been at the lowest point in your life, right? And it's crazy how when you hit rock bottom, because they say once you hit the bottom, it's like nowhere else to go but up, right? But up, that is so true. Only way to go, like now it's time for me to elevate, right? And I'm gonna put the work behind, and then that's what's gonna happen. Mm -hmm. So, but but to be but to be able to recover and rebound from that, you know, um, definitely takes a lot of strength um, because sometimes we get stuck because it's nothing but a cycle, right? Mm -hmm. People can get stuck at the beginning of the cycle. It's they called the revive, revolving door when you're in those stages of change. You when you talk about the five stages of change, mm -hmm. some people that's what that cycle is. That's that cycle is the stages of change. Mm -hmm. And we get stuck. A lot of us get stuck in that pre-contemplation stage where I know I need to change or I know I need help or I know I need to do this, but I'm really not ready. I'm gonna sit here a little bit longer until I kind of feel like it. You know, dealing with that ambivalence, you know, and knowing that you need to change, but do you really need to change? And then you're looking at the outside, well, this is working for them. So maybe it'll work for me, you know. So that's the cycle that you're referring to. That's the stages of change, you know. Change is uncomfortable, but it's so rewarding. I was talking to one of my sores, my fans, and um, she was like, Chanel, you know, I'm just proud of you. She said it takes so much courage to heal. Because there's so much work that goes into healing. It's not an overnight thing. She said, it's so easy to stay and not heal because you know how to deal with that. But what do you do when you're dealing with your healing season? Mm. When you're, when, when build, being in that other phase, which used to be normal, is not normal anymore. You know? So coming out of that season, um, it takes it takes a hell of a lot of work to heal. And I, I will tell you every day, every day that I wake up and my feet hit that floor, it's a choice. I choose because I used to be so angry. I had a lot of anger in me. I used to be so mean. I mean, especially with the trauma that I have been through. Um, my mother friend, she used to call me ugly. Like, you show me is ugly. And I used to be like so. Mm. <laughs> but she wasn't talking about my outer appearance. I was. I was ugly on the inside. And how can you be so, you know, pretty on the outside, but you're inside ugly? Therefore, you're ugly. Mm -hmm. I was ugly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it took time. But I didn't understand why I was so angry. I didn't understand why I was so ugly. I didn't understand that I had so much stuff that I was doing. I remember walking on the yard. 
And this individual, I won't say his name, but he was he was Greek. And he looked at me, he was like, why are you always mean mugging? Why are you so mean? And I'm like, I'm not even mean. And I'm like, don't ask me that. And I just kept it moving. But I ne- now I can't stop smiling and I play too much. But I had to check myself. I'm like, dang. I am. They used to call me mean. Like, she mean. I'm like, am I mean? But I'm really not. You know, but I had to heal. I, I Obviously, I was. I was giving off some type of energy, some type of aura, you know, that gave that perception. Oh, yeah. Because a lot of times people, they won't say how they feel. But because emotions are um, innate and they're universal, just your facial expression or like you said, your body, your disposition, I can tell that you're in the mood right now and your mood isn't a pleasant one. You know, I can tell that you're really not that happy, which is really the scary thing about social media. But even sometimes you can read between those lines, too, is that some people, they again wear the mask, they put the makeup on, they dial themselves up, they take those pictures um, to make it seem like everything is okay on the outside, right? If you really look and study their behavior, you can even tell and read in between the lines until you really not that You're not. Happy, right so you know like and again that's what you really not that happy and that's the thing about um anger is that it is a secondary emotion like you said when i took the time out to pause and really reflect back because it's not okay um like you said when you are um in the know so now you're you're in the know so you, we can't even say that you're ignorant anymore because now i know Right. You know, refuse to do something about it, because, again, my other uh, part of the saying is that it's OK not to be OK, but it's not OK. Not, not to. Right. So it's like when you know that it's something wrong, when you know that you aren't being a pleasant person, when you know that you're angry. Right. It's like I can't keep on saying, oh, that's just the way that I am because I could. Mm-hmm. That's just who I am. And that's how I was brought up. That's how I was brought up, you know, because now you are again um, ignoring justifying and justifying you know your behaviors because it's something else underneath there again it's the secondary emotion it's a lot of other things underneath there that cause you to be and you don't just be angry for no reason somebody that's a perfect so that's a perfect point so if you think about cognitive behavior therapy and you think about these behaviors that we see right so let me ask you this ab you think about the titanic how did the Titanic crash? Like, how did it sink? What caused the Titanic? It hit the ice. Mm-hmm. It hit the ice. Right. But oh. let me tell you. Yep. So they were driving, right? They were driving a boat. And he saw it. He saw the top of it. And he thought that he can go around. So he went, quote unquote, around. But what caused the Titanic to sink was everything, all that mass mess of ice that was beneath the surface. Typically what happens today when we see these behaviors and things, we're only seeing the top of the iceberg. But it's so much stuff that goes beyond the tip of the iceberg that people have not tapped into, have not dialed into. It's so much stuff underneath that when things really become evident, we're only seeing just the tip of it. But it's so much more beneath the iceberg. You get what I'm saying? I hear what you're saying. I definitely do. And I like to even think about it as like, like that's why I said, um, have you ever been told that you that you're too deep, you know, but not here because I want to go that deep. Right. Or I even want to go that high because sometimes we pick the low hanging fruit. That's easy. Mm -hmm. Right. Like you said, that auto response, that go to response. Right. It's real easy. I can get it. Boom, boom, boom. You understand it. I understand it. Right. But if I reach up to the very top, then that's when you're going to get the real answer of, how you doing, Ebony? You know, then I'm going to start telling you, you know, I want to go right. high that low-hanging fruit because um, it's not only that. It definitely, it, it's just like the different nuances of life, right? All the, uh, the, all the tiny little things that make us who we are. Mm-hmm. And everything that happened to us, because life is nothing but a series of events 
or a series of memories, right? That make us who we are today. So absolutely, when we do take the time to reflect back, a lot of it is some past trauma and not only childhood trauma, but some stuff happened to us in our adulthoods too. Right. Oh, yeah. Definitely. It, it, it definitely could do start in a child I mean, at, at, at that age. So it's like you said, that little girl that was inside of you, um, that was beautiful when you said that you wrote that letter to her. Right. Because it was like, what do you feel like that little girl needed at that point that she wasn't getting that caused you to mother yourself? What was, right. Was, was so. You- so that that little girl needed, she needed to be reassured. That's it. She needed to be reassured and she needed that time to be a little girl. And she had never had that time to be a, a little girl or a child or mothered by a mother. And it's so funny because um, God, God will make sure you get everything that you need and I have had the opportunity to experience a real mother's love, you know, and what it looks like in a home to be mother by mother. And it wasn't until last year. Now, don't get me wrong. My auntie raised me. My auntie Kim, she passed away. She was my mother figure. She she raised me. My mother, I love her to death, but she was the best mother that she knew how. But um, last year I was in the process of buying a home. So I gave up my rental property and some things happened where I was blessed. I I mean, I would have been like, oh, my goodness. But it was a blessing that my ex-boyfriend's mother opened his home to me. And when I say just watching her be a mother, a real mother, I'm not saying it's fake mothers, but watching her mother in that capacity, I had never witnessed. Mm -hmm. Watching her mother and she mothered me at 30. I was 32. Mm-hmm. I stayed with her for eight months until I closed in my house. And the, the things that she taught me and the nuggets and the wisdom, I was still, you know, going through my healing. And I had to really, I really, I thank her every day, you know, because I had never experienced that type of love or that type of care or that type of sentiment and that type of magnitude. I'm not saying I went without it from my auntie. My auntie loved me hands down. But the way I was sheltered and and and, and she she really mothered me and mm-hmm. showed me what a mother looks like and in that capacity. And that's beautiful because when we go back and we heal those wounds and we give that little girl what she needed, right? Um, sometimes it definitely does take us um to think about it like well if my mother could never if she can't do it for me and when I look at the scope of everything and can understand the capacity of what she can do right um now again because it's my own personal responsibility to make me make me feel good to make me be all right you know and I can't hold on to nothing and hold grudges right absolutely it's my responsibility to start replacing some of that stuff right start to find that and like you say, God going to show up and show out every time. Right. You know, and he going to send people in your life um, that you need at the at the right time. At the right. And it's just like, you know, um, and in life we have to do that. Like when, when our dad isn't there. Right. You got to find that father figure that can fulfill that void. Right. Mm-hmm. You got to find that mother figure that can fill that void. It don't have to be your mom. It don't have to be your granny. Like you said, it can mm-hmm. be somebody else's mother I just need that void and that's the thing about like you said just the exposure right not to yeah away from my family because they love yeah. hands down the best that they could but the exposure to be exposed yeah to and you know what Ev you said something that was pivotal and right on point our responsibility so so often as adults we keep we reflect back on to oh well, this happened to me with me and this happens to, we're adults now what are you going to do about it now? now well, it's your response. Then it was your parents' responsibility. Mm-hmm. But now it's your responsibility as an adult. What are you going to do with it now? Mm-hmm. 
you know, and that's that's a hard pill to swallow because now what we're used to and who we are used to taking and throwing that on. Now we got to take it and own up and take our own responsibility as to what it looks like for us to heal. We can't just keep putting on our parents and our environment or, well, this is just how I was brought up or, man, that they went there for me and this is why I'm like that. No, you grown now, sweetie. What are we going to do with it now? Now's the time. The time is now. What are you going to do? It's your choice. Because guess what? Excuses don't justify nothing. You know, <laughs> it don't, it's not a justification at all. Absolutely. You know, it's nothing but an excuse. And, um, you know, and, and at one point they can pile up to just nothing, nothingness, right? And and that's the whole thing, or I think that's the whole key when they say that you have to let go. You know, let go, right? And I feel like that's what you do when you do sit down and you really do unpack your bag from your mm-hmm. trips, from your voyage, from that journey. You sit mm-hmm. down, unpack the bag. You know, you give away the souvenirs because the whole thing in life is that you take what you need and you leave the rest. I don't need any of this anymore because guess what? It ain't serving. It's heavy, it's and it's too heavy. heavy. It's real heavy, you know, because growing up when we was listening to Erica Badu, Bag Lady, she wasn't talking about no bags, bro. She was talking about them bags. Baggage. You don't keep on missing your opportunities and your mm-hmm. especially when you holding on to something that mm-hmm. has, right? But I don't fault you when you don't know, right? When them bags are still real deep. You know, and they still kind of lost, right? Absolutely. Once you find them and you and you can identify it, because then it almost becomes the elephant in the room. No, mm-hmm. there's something about it, right? Um, because it, it, first of all, it doesn't even feel good to be in that in that in in that state of like depression mm-hmm. or you know having all these anxieties and these fears and things like that. So it definitely takes us to unpack some of the things and put them in their perspective places too, right? Um, I don't need this anymore. So that's definitely um, a, a definitely a good thing. So how would you say um, right now, as of today, your healing journey is going for you? How how does it feel for you now? I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad that you're here because now you can tell us this. I'm glad. Yes. So I would say is um, it's continuous. You know how you have those movies and it's like to be continued, that, that, that. Okay. That's where I'm at. And I'm enjoying every moment, every bit of it. I was just telling someone, actually, I was on a talking to my sorority sisters and I cried because I'm so used to everything going wrong mm. and me going through so much trauma. Now that I'm at a place of peace and serene, I don't even know what to do or how to do it, but embrace the moment. If that makes sense. Like, I'm so at peace. Sometimes it scares me. I'm like, okay, am I supposed to be okay with being this alone and at peace? Like, am I okay? But I am okay. And I'm so happy. Where, I, where you know, before, I thought I had to be on a go, 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 go and have people around and hang out. Abs. It feels so amazing. I wake up every day. I'm just so grateful. I'm just so grateful. Mm-hmm. so grateful to have this, you know, type of testimony. I, I remember everybody asking like, and you know, I haven't shared too much, too much tonight, but we'll have it to be continued. That, that. Um, that, that, that. So, um, people ask me like, why are you so happy? You've been through so much. That's the reason why I'm so happy because I've been through so much. I look like what I went through. Okay. <laughs> and I tell people that I said, if you, I tell my inmates too, I'm like, Miss Green was not always this polished, okay? So be happy y'all get the polished version of her because she was definitely ugly. She was definitely mean. She wanted to fight. Every, she would fight you, your mama, every, and didn't care. She thought she was supposed to protect her family, but she was not doing it the right way, you know? Now I'm just at a place of peace and I'm so dang on happy. Mm-hmm. And it's a choice. I'm not saying that all, all, every day is peachy king. What I'm saying, I choose to allow what affects me and my day now that I'm healed or I am healing. It's my choice. And because no is a complete sentence, 
it's a lot of no's. Or I don't live that lifestyle. Or that doesn't fit what I'm doing right now. Or that doesn't add value to my life or benefit me. So I cannot entertain that. Oh, you talking crazy on the phone? I don't gossip. So this is where this conversation going to end. Anything that's going to be a trigger. You know, triggers are real. So right now, what I do is I protect my energy. I protect my peace. I protect my healing by not allowing things to trigger me. Think about substance use disorder. Those people who have a substance use disorder, which is a disease, and they, they go through rehab, but they go back to those environments, those people, those places, those things. What is it going to do? Trigger. Mm-hmm. I have a chip addiction. Something as simple as me trying to give up chips. I really tried hard. Let me use this example. I went from pre-contemplation to contemplation. And I said, I'm going to give up chips. At a real addiction, right? Just as simple. And it made me think about my clients. I said, okay, I'm not going to buy chips. I got rid of all the chips. I didn't go to Walmart. I didn't go to Kroger. Like I was really in eliminating those people, places, things, you know, uh-huh. certain socialization. Girl, I need the gas. I didn't go in the gas station. So I pulled up to this Kroger, the little Kroger gas station. Ebony, guess what was outside? Chips. Right where I was supposed to pay for the gas. Oh. So um, <laughs> just to, that was a trigger. I'm like sweating. You know, like tapping my finger, looking at them. It was a person in front of me. I'm like, this lady needs to hurry up. I'm going to buy some chips. You know, really trying to. It was real. Like, really putting my tools in effect. I was using my stop and think technique. I was trying to, you know, I get, did the rubber band effect. I'm like, do not buy chips. So the lady was taking so long. I got to the cash register and. I had a bag of chips in my hand while I was trying to pay for gas. And then I looked at the chips and I just put them back. I was like, you got this. You don't need these chips. Is it going to benefit you? Is it going to add value to what you're doing? Mm -hmm. You know, something as simple as your chip addiction. Mm -hmm. That could have been a, a, I mean, it's simple to some, but it's major to me because it affects my health. It affects my stomach. It affects my appetite and what I could be eating more nutrition, nutritionist, you know? Mm-hmm. So think about when you're healing, you have to revamp your life. Mm. Some people don't fit your healed lifestyle and that's okay. That doesn't mean you can't talk to them or be around. Them. That just means you have to handle them differently because they may be a trigger. My mother, I love her. But she was a trigger. If I had an anger problem, right? So if something was popping off, what would you do? You call your mom. Guess what my mother was? A gasoline. Mm. She lit the fire. Girl, and you know what I go do, do, do. And I'm like, you're right. And guess what I didn't do? Instead of having that positive coach, that's, ah, you may want to think about that. I don't think that's good. So me in my healing, I had to learn, I can't call you for this. You don't fit this area, mm-hmm. but you, you're here. Mm-hmm. So compartmentalizing, you know, is important. No is a complete sentence is important. Mm-hmm. Knowing your boundaries and setting them. Boundaries. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I love what you say. And I grew up hearing that saying because um, I attended um, recovery meetings with my mother. And that was the thing. And it's um, when I just think about just growing up. And whenever, because we all have a mother issue in some type of capacity, right? Um, It doesn't have to be a mother issue where you were like abandoned or neglected or even abandoned could be emotionally abandoned, right? Um, Not even like physically she wasn't there. But again, there's many different facets of that mommy issue, right? Um, And and it can be in its extremes. Let me clear there. Mm-hmm. I have mommy and daddy issues. I met my father my senior year of college. Mm. So I had abandonment issues, but go ahead. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, growing up, you know, my mom wasn't always around because she was a single mom and she and she worked, you know, and, and her recovery, the odd thing or the challenging thing to me when I look at it from my perspective it was hella challenging for her because her people, places, and things was her family. Mm-hmm. 
system. So she never was around. She wasn't around on the holidays. She wasn't around on the weekends, the barbecues. No, because it was drinking and partying going on there, right? The reason why I was there, because that was still her support system, right? Mm-hmm. So it's crazy, you know, that the just the different worlds, like you said, the exposure that I had to see growing up, right? But it's... um. I'm blessed to have had that reinforcer at the end of the day mm-hmm. um, to be able to go back to home base and everything did have a foundation there. Right. Uh, or again, we were having these conversations. We we're going to talk about some of this stuff. Right. Um, but again, um, in all of that and like, you know, being able to set those boundaries, because that's definitely um, uh, that's definitely a, a wellness skill that we learn to mm-hmm. protect ourselves, right? And then that energy, like you said, energy is so key and so important, right? And sometimes once we heal, like you said, the reason why we don't want to heal, because we know that it requires change. In order for it does. change, I have to change, like you said. Everything that comes, I got to do some cleaning up. I can't do the same things that I was doing before. I can't hang around the same people that I was hanging around anymore, right? Right. I don't thrive off of that energy anymore, right? You know, so it's like, right, now, now this is weird. It ain't no chaos. It ain't no drama. There's none of that, right? Like, wow, for real? This how life supposed to be for real? Right. Right. <laughs> right. Right. And, you know, at, at the end of the day, you know, I would say embrace it mm-hmm. because when you embrace and you understand that it's there and you acknowledge it, then you know how to deal with it. Mm-hmm. So really quick, I wanted to go through the stages of change because the stages of change is so important. So you got five, five stages and sometimes six stages of change. So you have stage one, which is pre-contemplation. And during that time, you're not, you don't see nothing wrong with you. It's like, what do I need to change for? You're the one with the problem. So when you're in pre-contemplations, that's not really, not yet considering that you need to change. And you're unwilling to con- to confine, to confirm, I'm sorry, to conform to change mm-hmm. in that pre-contemplation stage. Then you want to move to contemplation. Contemplation is where you like, ah, and that's where I was. I'm like, something is wrong with me. I'm just a little off, but I'll deal with that later. You know, Mm -hmm. you see the possibility of change, but you have that ambivalence and that uncertainty. Like, do I really want to resolve this or do I really want help? Do I want to choose to have help? So then you move into stage three, which is determination. And that's when you have that commitment to change. You're like, okay, I'm committed to change. What do I need to do to change? So then you start putting action into place when you're in stage stage three. You're like, all right, I'm determined to change. Let me put an action plan together. That's when you're going to go ahead and seek your therapy. Seek a therapist or seek what healing look likes to you. Write down an action plan and a time frame for what your healing time will look like. You know, taking those steps towards change. That's your primary task in the stages of change is that action. Once you get to that action, you're going to maintain it. And that's where I'm at. I'm I'm in my maintenance phase. Mm. I'm in my maintenance. You know, I then had this nice car for 33 years that I've been living in. I did some work. I didn't did some tune-ups. I didn't got a new body built. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mentally. I'm talking about mentally, okay, because I'm very natural. All of this is real. But <laughs> mentally, a whole new body built mentally. You start from the top, you know, your cognitive structure, you know, and now I'm maintaining. So that's where it goes back to me choosing every day. I choose to be in the maintenance phase. Mm-hmm. And I love that um, because, again, healing isn't a destination. It's a nope. continuous process. So you will have to maintain regularly, right? You don't just arrive and, oh, now I'm healed, right? Um, but you're always seeking wholeness. Um, Absolutely. Mm-hmm. 
and and that's the whole that that's the whole thing and and finding balance in life and in everything. I liked how you went through that. Um, it kind of sound like the ones that I do. Mine's is really like loss or grief, but I feel like even in healing, you do lose and you do grieve, right? So when you were saying uh, mm-hmm. contemplation and contemplation, you know, being in that denial space. No, um, it's nothing wrong with me. And whenever we um, resist reality, then that's where there's conflict, right? Um, and mm-hmm. we do get to a point where it's like, okay, yeah, it's probably something wrong with me, but I'm a bargain. You know, it really ain't absolutely me, for real. People know how they should know how I am, you know. How I am. Yeah, you know, but it's like, no, that doesn't work either. So definitely we go through those stages. And then like that rock bottom stage where you de- be depressed, you know, you find yourself in this hopelessness stage where you like, I don't even want to, what what else is there, you know? And then you become, to, you, you come back around and you accept like, okay, I got to do something, you know? Let, Let me tell you, this is one thing that made me reflect I don't know if you heard of MRT, more recognition therapy, but um, that's something that I do facilitate. And in that, um, they have to they have to write an obituary. And I, for me to be certified, I had to go through it. So I had to write an obituary of myself, like my own obituary, like what what will be said about me in that. What, what did I leave? You know, what mark did I leave? And that really allowed me to do some soul searching. Like, what would my obituary say? And that's sometimes, you know, you might want to dive or try to do that. Either write that letter to that individual from that stage, you know, that you have the most trauma or your trauma first was on set. And write that obituary. Like, what would people say about Chanel Green when she's no longer here? What would they say? You know, and sometimes I go and I reflect on that. Because the mark you leave is so relevant. You're relevant to the world. The world needs you. Mm -hmm. You're important. You know, I'm a change agent. God called me to be a change agent. So I'm not the individual that come and, you know, I may just sprinkle a little dust. I come and I make an impact, you know? So the difference between getting into an accident and having an impact, when you get into an accident, you got a little fender bender. You can go get that fixed. You're going to still be in that same car. You got little bumps and screws, but it's still going to ride. Mm-hmm. When Chanel comes, she come to make an impact. Mm. Something totally different and it's going to change your life. Mm -hmm. You know, I come to be impactful and in a good way because we have so much negativity and so much stuff out there. I'm I'm just real and I'm going to embrace being a unicorn and being uniquely me. And it's nothing wrong with it. Nothing at all. And I'm not, and, and that's where it is. You have to really embrace who you are. And I tell people, I'm not your ordinary. And when people are like, I'm different, I'm unique, I'm a unicorn. My unicorn is even unique. That unicorn is chocolate with teal hair. You know, she she's even a unique unicorn. But you have to embrace who you are and not be afraid to walk in your authority. Mm. And knowing your power that you possess. So you need to take all of that and you find all of that out in your healing. And acceptance, that acceptance phase. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's where I'm at. Maintenance. Yes. Well, thank you, ma'am. Um, God just gave me this this week that, um, and it's really a lesson that I learned from the summer and starting um, this space here. And I was having conversation. I was having conversations with women <clears throat> weekly and. They were very um, candid and they were very open and they were very um, intense sometimes, even to where I found myself lost for words. And like you said, when something happens, you call your mom to like debrief with her, right? And to get some of her feedback. So when I tell my mom about it, you know, she look at me because she works in the social service field as well. And she said, Ebony, that's not right. 
you know, you can't open people up like that and not know how to sew them back up, right? Mm-hmm. Or or to sew them back up. So it was like, that really was a moment for me to like accept that this is your calling. Go to school so that you can get the skills and be able to go in and sew it back up, right? Um, and also, it made me understand that now today, I need to be the guardian of this space. And mm-hmm. ask you at the end of this conversation, um, how are you at the end of this talk? Absolutely. Um, well, to be transparent, I didn't, I said enough, but you know, it's to be continued that, 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 um, because you go from wounds to wisdom or yeah, wounds to wisdom. So I think I really reflected more so on the wisdom portion, um, and not so much shine light on the wounds. Um, and I think that's so because I'm in a place of healing that I really don't give the wounds too much energy or power anymore. Oh, yeah. um, but I am okay. I, I enjoyed this time. I'm looking forward to the next invite. Um, I, I don't think we mentioned that I am a published author and it's a self-help for a Lotus love. Okay. It's called a letter. Yes. This yes. It's self-help. Mm-hmm. Yes. So it's called A Letter to Women. And then I have A Letter to Men. And you can get that on Amazon.com. Um, and it's a 75 page reader. It really motivated me and it helped me. I couldn't believe that I wrote that. And to be transparent, when I was writing it, I was going through my healing. So when I went back and I read it, and I was like, wow, who is this writing? <laughs> this this. Um, it gives you the space to journal. I'm a big proponent of journaling, Arab. I'm a big proponent of journaling because you have to get it out. Um, but I thank you for asking me how I am doing. I enjoyed my time. I felt like it was a good conversation. I felt like we both shared a good common space and some great energy. I hope that we can continue to... Um, provide these nuggets and tokens to your listeners and i look forward to this journey with you yes well before i say goodbye because again like you're saying the conversation does have to end at one point but i do like to do a segment called rapid ways for all of my guests where i ask just a set of questions and you just answer with one of the first thoughts that come to your mind okay so the first one is, what does it look like to heal? What does it look like to heal? Time. It looks like time. You can't rush it. It looks like time and patience. And it looks messy. So don't be feeling like you got to have it all together when you're healing because you won't. Those were times where I just... I was just in the moment and embraced that moment. It was from, and I learned so much about myself. It's education for yourself. It's time. And it's in that moment. Like, I didn't know I love sweats all that much. I love sweats. And you have to embrace it. So that's what it looks like. What are scars? Hmm. Scars is something that's sacred. That many people feel that they need to protect, but they don't protect it the right way. So when I think about my scars, I think about letting it be open where it can breathe and heal. Um, How do you cope with unpleasant feelings? I journal. I journal, I journal, and then I used to operate out of emotions a lot and I respond out of emotions since I had an anger problem. What I do now, I remove myself, I debrief, and I process everything, and then I revisit it. What makes you feel happy? Girl, this place of peace. It's so good. Like, 
It's not like, and I was just telling her, I still do things that I, I'm passionate about. You know, I'm a part of a dance project called The Soul Therapy um, for Abundance of Love. And I was telling the ladies that I dance with, um, I said, I'm so happy. And it's not like I have a whole man laying next to me, not saying that I don't want to, you know, have my own family and be married one day. But I don't. I'm happy. Like, I can't fake it. It's not a mask. Like, I genuinely wake up every day grateful. Like, grateful and, and accepting the fact that I deserve this. Like, it's okay that I'm feeling happy. Like, I deserve to be happy. That can be normal for me. You know? And then, what would you say is your biggest lesson that you've learned thus far in your healing journey? I don't have to. Be, I don't have to be perfect. The world had me on a pedestal. So many people had me on a pedestal, and I felt like I had to measure up. That five-year-old, five-year-old little girl couldn't make the same mistake that she did, where she got beat that bad and kicked in the eye, but still told boots. I felt that I had to be perfect, and I don't. I'm not perfect at all, and I'm fine with it. Well, thanks again, Miss Chanel Green. This Thank you. To have you on and hear yes. your words. I know that this will help some other little girl out there, some other adult woman that's stuck in her cycle of being mm-hmm. a hurt little girl. Um, you know, so I hope that this story does reach just at least one person. I know it touched me tonight, so I know that it will touch somebody else. So again, thank you. Thanks to my listeners for tuning in, for staying around this long. So if you like this episode, make sure that you like, share, and if you loved it that much, how about have a listening party? so um i will see you until next time see you until next time thank you thank you again this is your host ebony b thanks for joining us on the new wave podcast a healing conversation if you love this episode have a listening party hit the like share and subscribe button so you can catch every new episode and as always leave a review so we can continue to bring you fresh new content thanks for listening see you next time life is like a wave you can't change the way it breaks only the way you ride it stay encouraged and have a great day on purpose